I'd like to invite you on a walk. Some years ago, around 2017, I found a family. And getting used to being with them in ways that I'd never allowed myself to be with other people before. I felt a deep need. It was like looking at someone wearing a t-shirt that was too tight or a belt that was too tight or living in a house where the doorways are too short. Something about the environments they were in did not fit. It seemed like within our schools, within our governments, within the businesses that determined what people wanted, there was no space for what they actually wanted. I did not understand why we were continuing to do what we did not want to do. To spend 8 to 12, 15 hours a day narrowing our minds in service of paychecks and limited amounts of prestige. When these people, my family, were so amazingly talented, so amazingly gifted, that they could really do anything they wanted to do. Being steeped in the tech industry at the time, it was clear to me that we were sitting on a gold mine, though that gold mine was not gold, but the human capital that everyone had. Looking at the lives of great innovators, it's clear that they're often left to play with whatever struck their fancy. After the fact, we label them as exceptional polymaths or renaissance men, or we name entire fields after what they studied. Assuming that no one else can do it, that everyone else has to be specialized, that everyone else has to be a cog in the machine, that everyone else has to be a part of the Tayloristic industrial management process, where you can only do one thing, and that is all your value, that is what your value comes from. A quick look at the lives of 
any innovator from Leonardo da Vinci to what you might read in Vasari's Lives of the Artists or anything you might have heard about Claire Shannon's life, Claude Shannon, rather, or Richard Feynman, what led you know that rather than deciding on a specialization and sticking with it, they followed their curiosities. And as disparate as those curiosities were, they were all actually connected because everyone shares the same environment. And because the environment is shared, all these fields actually inform each other. To read Isaac Newton without having an understanding of how alchemy played a part in his formulation and discoveries of calculus would be short-sighted. The people around me, my family, they created art in all sorts of mediums. They sewed clothes, they painted, they made film, photography, they wrote. They could be athletes if they wanted to. Most of them were involved in a music scene at one point or other, whether in a band or as DJs. All the while, they were also scientists, often lab scientists. Others were lawyers who were also capable writers of fiction and excellent chefs. Man, everyone can cook in this family. And all these things, any, any single one of them could be used to generate wealth for the family. We could go and form a restaurant, a bakery. We could form a coffee place. We could have started a lab. We could have started even a software company, even though most of us were not and are not software engineers. Everyone is familiar with the basics of programming enough that if they were driven by a vision, they would certainly come up with something. Not to mention the fact that many of them have high mathematic mathematical ability. So with all these talents, with all these abilities, it made sense to me that maybe we didn't really need to play the game that everyone was playing. Maybe we didn't need to stay working for these institutions, for these political systems, for these governments and corporations. Maybe we could do it for ourselves, where we could use more of our purpose, more of our function, more of our abilities in our everyday lives. So this was three years ago and I proposed an exit, a option of leaving the hamster wheel we all seem to be on and venturing out 
venturing out on our own where we would be left alone to do as we wished. Now, in the year 2021, after COVID, there's a rise in this desire to go out and form communes or techno-communes or kibbutzes, call it whatever you want, some sort of exit, because the trust in our elites, in our existing institutions, is low, which makes sense because they are overweighted and ungainly. In the time since then, since I first proposed our own exit to my family, things have changed for me. I've been working toward it every day. And as I've been working on this problem, I began to realize that none of the obstacles had anything to do with resources. We could have $5 million dollars and people would choose still to stay working on whatever they're working on for systems that do not want exactly what they want. That is because whenever you try something new, it has to be that much better than the option that came before because we prefer stability. That's part of it anyway. The other part is that trust has become very hard. We were divided and conquered by centralizing powers over the last four or five hundred years. And we've become comfortable with the benefits of living with top-down central control. It's very convenient to have ten different types of toothpaste that you can just get. It's very convenient to have three or four different kinds of opinions that you can just get. You don't have to do any of that work yourself. You don't have to grow your own food. You don't have to mend your own clothes. And all these conveniences add up. And the biggest convenience is that decision-making is outsourced. You see, making decisions, as much as everyone likes to talk about how important their decisions are, is very painful. So our governments, our media, our corporations have stepped in to make those decisions for us, and we have gladly given that option to them because it relieves our pain. Moreover, in the same way that a TV show is less stressful than having a bunch of friends over, many of the options provided to us to meet our needs are a lot more appealing on the surface than a more fulfilling option. For example, McDonald's is a lot easier to want to consume than making your own food from scratch, from vegetables you grew in the garden because of the amount of labor and thought that goes into making your own meal. So we've learned to trust the McDonald's option 
more than we trust ourselves and each other. You will note that people often complain about social drama, while at the same time they seek out drama at a distance from sources like Netflix or Amazon Prime. This is because we actually need connection, and connection has a lot of possibilities within it. And those possibilities, the conflict that arises from those possibilities, we call drama. We're interested in drama because we're interested in ourselves and each other, since as social animals, that is how we survive. That is how we thrive. But since we've become so used to the kiddie pool, to the tricycle with training wheels, we hesitate to jump into the ocean or cycle with just two wheels. Actually, connecting to other human beings is incredibly painful because it's more information. And more information means more pain. Our ancestors stuck with it because they had no way of imagining how they could ever make it alone in the environment. They needed each other to survive, and this was strongly built in to their every decision. With industrialization and globalization, we have the illusion that we can be independent of each other. With the construct of money, we assume that we can be independent even though what that money represents is what the collective wants and what the collective will do for you. So the chief obstacle that I've found to any sort of exit is actually social. And underneath that social element is the mental one, the mind, and its perception. Every step of the way, I noticed in the people around me and myself voices that people would hear in their thoughts and thoughts that were extremely judgmental and punishing. Anytime anyone was at risk of departing from a norm, they sensed this judgment, they felt this judgment in them, and they changed their behavior appropriately. Whenever they saw someone else engaging in behavior that did not fit with a norm, they did the same thing. And since we're trying to do something new, nothing we're doing fit with an existing norm. To begin with, at every step of the way, the series of conflicting values, of conflicting wants that they were told to want by their various collectives that they were all a part of, were constantly fighting each other in themselves. This internal conflict in turn manifests as anxiety and depression. This is because 
when you are trying to control a population at scale, it is easier to come upon norms that are based on no rather than yes. Consider the decision to find a place to eat. You come up with some options, and typically someone will say something like, definitely not Taco Bell, or I don't want any vegetarian places. And that makes the decision easier to make. So everyone, especially well-educated people, because they find it easier to absorb the norms of the centralizing power, everyone feels these no's in themselves. And as we have globalized all the no's from all these various different large cultures have started clashing within us. This leads to a sort of learned helplessness and an ever-looming sense of defeat and powerlessness because every time you feel like doing something you've learned to stop yourself unless it has been vetted and approved by hundreds of thousands of people or millions of people even and I kept on encountering this every day in everyone I loved in the conflicts between them in their decisions about what to wear about what to say in how they were relating to each other. And this lack of trust made it very, very difficult to try something new like an exit. Though the principal thing I realized over the years is that whatever the conflict is, in some sense does not matter. So long as each individual was willing to stick through it. So long as we were willing to stick together, to be together. The most dangerous thing for a family is not conflict, is not shouting at each other or even throwing things at each other or even physical abuse, but separating taking a step away, shutting down, turning away, cutting people off, uh, holding up in a room alone for many hours because you don't want to deal with the other people, which I often did. These things turned out to be more dangerous to the health of the family than any drama or open conflict. And I began to realize that from the drama, from the seeming conflict, we began to find ways of being with each other that we would never have come up with if we had simply swept those conflicts under the rug. So having no role models for what a healthy extended family unit looks like, we mistook what we were getting from the culture through movies and TV as 
what a healthy extended family unit looked like. We were dealing with the assumption that there's not supposed to be any conflict, that people are supposed to appear to have a happy affect all the time, that if someone says something horrible or does something horrible, that you should establish boundaries and cut them off, when, in fact, sticking together is what makes a strong family a strong family. This reflects one of the practices I've found over the years that is really effective for building empathy between two people, and that is just to be together silently looking at each other. Um, in the context of the intimacy coach I learned this from, who's also a uh, theater instructor and excellent actress, we practiced giving to each other and receiving from each other with no words, just being in each other's presence. And that was incredibly powerful. So powerful that if anyone who's taken MDMA had walked into the room, they would have assumed that everyone in the room was MD on MDMA, even though everyone was sober. So this practice of simply being together is actually very difficult because we have been so used to being separated, to being alienated, to being isolated, that we continue to force isolation on ourselves when what we need most is togetherness. So this was the first serious obstacle that I found to starting some sort of exit community. Everything else, the logistics, the resources, really don't matter. It's about the willingness of a people to come together. Uh, if your people can come together, they will figure out what to do. And I learned this from watching one of the churches in Moscow, Idaho, that has slowly taken over a quarter of the town, even though they have a, a tiny population compared to the, the entire population of the town. And that's by slowly setting up businesses and all working together um, to corner part of the market in the town. And these are restaurants, these are plumbers, these are psychologists, these are lawyers. It's just everyday occupations, but when they function as a unit, they are much more powerful. And they've gained traction in Moscow despite the overwhelming opprobrium and aggression that they face from liberal denizens of Moscow, um, who generally call them a cult. But this is actually a great example, a great model that we can use for exit. Because one thing I've learned in opening myself to all the people around me is that they are connected to everyone else in the world, which on the surface seems trivially true, but is actually hard to realize and feel. I kept on trying to draw a line between people who were in my family 
and people who are not. People who I had to care about when I was making my plans and people who I did not have to care about. And initially, I only selected my lovers, then the people my lovers cared about, um, as well as really old friends, and then the people whose values I seemed to share most. And so we were up to like 20 people in my circle of care. And I began to realize that all these people were connected to more and more people. And within those connections of connections was diversity that represented much of the world. Most recently, I've taken a little bit of a trip across the United States. And in being around people who might represent more of the mode of the population, and in being around people who represent the mode of the population, who are also related to people I love, I've realized that we can't exit. We can't exit because they're going through the same problems. I initially thought that all these problems of alienation and so on were maybe limited to a few intellectual elites, that everyone else was content where they were, for the most part, and that they weren't having the same problems with self-judgment, anxiety, and depression. But looking at people who I might have called normies before, I could see that deep down underneath, they're not normies. That no one is a normie, that no one is choosing to enforce these norms on themselves and others exactly. Or, well, they are, but they are not aware that they are choosing to do it. And they are feeling pain because of it. And in that pain, I realize that we cannot exit because we have to lead. We cannot exit because we have something that the rest of the population hasn't found yet. We have a little more of it. And just like it was really hard for us to get here because there were no models for us, the rest of the population needs more models of living, of how they can live, how they can live without such restrictive norms before they feel like it's safe enough to set themselves free. And that's our job. We were sent out as scouts. You may feel alone, but a scout is alone. You may feel rejected, but a scout is not necessarily part of the main body. Because your job as a scout is to go out and see the lay of the land and then tell people about it, to show people where it's safe to go. For any of you who are thinking about exit, you have tasted this. That's why you're thinking about exit in the first place. You sense something better out there. You felt something better. And feeling that, you want to go there. But you feel like the only way to go there is to 
separate from the main body and start a new colony off by yourself. But you are connected to too many people now. The internet has connected us all. We've all got these problems. We've all got this pain of alienation. So your job as a scout is to lead others to this place. Our duty is not exit. It is leadership. We are not here to form communes and monasteries separate from the world. We are here to go out into the world and form strong communities there, strong families. Families that will show everyone else that it is safe to live like a family again. That it is safe to depend on yourself again. That it is safe to dye your own clothes again. That it is safe to think your own thoughts again. This is in the water. All you have to do is watch a Fast and Furious movie. And that's the model. All you have to do is watch a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. And that's the model. It's what people want. But they don't feel safe yet. So that's why we're here. That's why we're going to lead. This world, this population, this species, this life, it's yours and it's mine. Oh.